Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lady Law Publishing and Mike and Joe Consulting, which is an affiliate of Lady Law Publishing. And today we have a special guest. Most people would say I'm crazy because he's actually uh, would be considered under normal circumstances my competitor. But uh, we met, we've talked several times. We don't believe in competition. We believe in uh, diversity and multiple uh, avenues for what fits your needs and your particular wants. So uh, while we do the same thing, we're categorized the same, uh, we have different approaches. And you can tell by looking at us, we come from different generations. So <laughs> we're very diverse in our way of thinking. Um, today's guest is Dharma Chaya. And welcome, Dharma. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Mike. Oh, my pleasure. It's been a pleasure speaking to you before we did our first recording. So, okay. Dharma, I'm going to have you uh, introduce yourself. Tell us what you want us to know about you and what you do, where you came from, what your philosophies are. And then at some point, I'll get involved and we'll uh, we'll go back and forth and uh, hopefully compliment each other. <laughs> I don't think the hosts need a mic. We've always had very um, powerful conversations. Yes. First and foremost, I wanted to thank you for having me on, and um, I wanted to thank all of your viewers for giving the attention to you and myself, and I hope that they can extract some value from this, and you know, to really dive into it and, and get into what is it that I do, how did I get to where I am, and my philosophies of everything. First and foremost, uh, I'm a one-on-one -on -one mentor. I, I specialize on one-on-one, -on -one and really creating the most personalized systems for the individual. I focus primarily on leaders, CEOs, entrepreneurs, high-valued individuals that are making an effect on their employees, friends, family, so that they can help elevate the people that are around them. And we create systems, whether it's professional systems, personal systems that are dedicated towards whatever it is that the bridge needs to be built for that specific individual. So I specialize in a lot of personalizing system making to help high valued individuals really elevate their success and evolve and optimize. But how I got to where I am and how I got to be doing everything that it is, is a very, very long story. So I will do my best to put it in a nutshell. I come from a uh, low middle-class family. I grew up off of uh, a divorced family as well, food stamps, government healthcare, all that good stuff. So I definitely know what it is like coming from a place of support from the government. It also gave me a lot of drive to really be ambitious and try the things that um, I never thought that could really be possible or plausible. So for the beginning stages of everything, you know, I got into the corporate world, I did the corporate jobs, I helped manage companies, I helped build teams and all that fun stuff. I did a lot of stuff into the trading industry, asset management and stuff like this. I realized that for myself, there wasn't much purpose for me. I didn't enjoy the process of accumulating a lot of money. Uh, I found that it was very meaningless and I didn't have much purpose towards it. So um, I, I came into a crossroads when I was traveling around, feeling like I had all the success in the world and all this fun stuff. And uh, it hit me when I was staring off into the ocean and uh, on a beach. And I remember it very vividly. I had a voice in my head. It was like the inner dialogue that said, you're wasting all of your potential. Everything you have, everything you could do in your life, you are wasting by just moving around and 
and looking. So I took that very deeply and re reanalyzed where I was putting my attention, where I was putting my energy. And about five years ago, I really realized that I love people. I really want to help elevate, optimize, and evolve with people. And by doing that, everyone has their own interests. And I found that by finding their interests, putting their specific systems to those interests, they, they live a life of purpose. They live a life of meaning and very well compensated because they, they wake up with drive. They wake up with meaning. They have a reason to wake up in the morning instead of being on autopilot. And I used to be on autopilot and it's a very hellish life form that I don't wish upon my worst enemy. So my philosophy and my vision for everything is to help individuals live the life they know they're allowed to live. Okay. Well, I think um, we do exactly the same thing, except you use much different words than I do. I'm old school. I, I'm 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 the uh, wake up, see what's in front of you. <laughs> You're very eloquent in the way you the way you see things. We came from different backgrounds. I grew up in a, a family owned business, so you know. When I was in diapers, I'm sure my father was telling me what business I was going to own and how I was going to run it. <laughs> so uh, we come from different backgrounds, which is great because mm -hmm. we have to be able to relate to the people we want to help. And we want to help them get there before they're 30, 35 and standing on a beach, finally going, oh, my God, I've been I've been part of the rat race and I didn't even know it. Exactly. And that's the beautiful thing, like you stated earlier, is that we we speak differently, we have different backgrounds, but we're in similar industries, and we can come together and collaborate. So not only that everyone that aligns with you, and that is resonates with the way that you speak and resonates with the way you do things, then we can help you, know, you develop your skills, we can help me develop my skills, so that we can give the best to those individuals that do come to us. Because there's going to be someone who resonates with me and loves the way I do things, and there's going to be people that hate the way I do things and they need to go to somebody like you so they can be presented in the way that they need it. And I know we've spoken before about that is why we believe so much in that collaboration versus the competition. That's right. Because both of us have a lot to offer, but we may not have everything to offer. And together we can complement each other and help our clients to find the best in you while also finding the best in me. And in the end, giving them the whole picture uh, from both perspectives. And, uh, you know, I always use the McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King philosophy of always being on the same intersection. Not everybody's going to want your hamburger seven days a week. <laughs> but... I want you close enough that when they get your hamburger, they come to me for the fries. <laughs> so there really is no competition. There's just finding the right audience for what you have to offer and the way you have to offer it. So some judgmental judge the book by the cover. People would say, Hey, I'm not going to him. He's got long hair <laughs> and not realizing that at one time in my life, I had long hair. So I'll have the advantage over you for the old fogies that are judgmental. 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, when I speak to college students, I look at guys like you in the classroom and I say, you know, don't, don't think too much of yourself because I look just like you 40 years ago. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so here's a, here's a vision of what you're going to look like 40 years from now. Uh, <laughs> but it's also beautiful that you're able to, you know, move your perspective back to that and then come at a place from humor. You know, that's how people learn. Well, you have, you have to, because if you, you know, I've got a sign on the back of my door, which you can't see now that I have my background, but it says, uh, don't take life too seriously because none of us get out alive. <laughs> you know? so true. So, it's so true. Yep. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And yesterday I was doing a talk with another young lady and, um, you know, we were talking about how we make decisions based on what other people might think of us or based on fear or insecurity. And I realized at 50 years old that I had spent the first 30 years just worrying about what everybody else thought, about how I was dressed, about what people were saying about me. And then once I reached 50, 55 years old, I realized nobody was really talking about me anyways. I spent all those years worrying about what people were saying about me or going to say about me. But you know what? Nobody really cared. All they cared about was the value that I had to offer. I did a talk once in Ohio during a snowstorm. I did not want to drive to Ohio. It's about 350 miles, but they insisted. And there was an audience of about, oh, close to 700 people. So when I got there, I got on the stage and I went behind the curtain and I started talking. And I said, um, so now just uh, pretend that you're vision impaired. Because all you need to really hear today is what's coming out of my lips. So after about 10 minutes, I came out from behind the curtain and I said, so am I going to be as valuable now that you know I'm heavy set and bald and old? You know, what are you going to get out of the rest of this session? Did yeah. I really, did I really have to drive through 10 inches of snow in wind for several hours to get here so that you could see that I'm old and bald? Because you would have got the same value on a camera, but I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad I'm going to be able to shake your hands and I'm, and I'm glad I'm spending the entire weekend now that I'm here, but uh, you don't know how much I dreaded coming out today. <laughs> <laughs> sounded like, uh, like a beautiful conference. It was a great conference. We had, we had uh, uh, Kent State University, Trumbull Hall, and we had the entire community, law enforcement, and the news was there. They filmed the whole the whole uh, presentation, and I spent the whole weekend consulting these neighborhood watch groups on how to eliminate drugs from the neighborhoods and how to work with law enforcement without competing with them and threatening their budgets and their job security while still getting them to act faster than you want them to, you know? So uh, it was a, everything that I do um, until COVID, I've always drove and flown. Uh, one year I made 32 plane trips, you know, out of 52 weeks. And um, there's a value to being face-to-face. -face. 
but there's also a convenience in the same value if taken properly being on camera. So uh, now we can serve we can serve the whole world on the same day in the same hour. And that's one of the beautiful things that I think COVID really did present to people and normalize uh, that technology can be a benefit. Yeah. Um, interesting point you made earlier, and I kind of wanted to backtrack on that because it's such a powerful topic and I think a lot of people will be able to resonate with it. And you said something very, very powerful I, I see and find a lot of people battle with, which is the paralyzation of the perception that we think others think. So I'd love to kind of hear your input on what did you see how that wasn't productive for yourself and what type of advice would you give to someone who's living in that, that paralyzation of the perception of a perception? I came to that realization when I was young. My father was negotiating a contract with IBM, International Business Machines, and he let me take the lead. So I was in the CEO's office, scared, sweating, in fear, uh, intimidated, and the phone rang and he excused me. And I went outside his office and I was sitting outside of his office and I heard him pleading with his wife for forgiveness and apologizing profusely to his wife for whatever it was she was obviously upset about. And I realized in that moment, why am I intimidated by him? I, I don't even think my wife ever talked to me that way. Um, so who is he that I should be so intimidated? And I went back in with a whole new perspective on my value in uh, comparison, comparing myself to him. Mm. And I spoke to him on his level, which is just simply another man wearing different clothes in a different position. And we got the contract. Now, uh, the truth is my father had already negotiated it before I went in there. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a test. But I, I guess I did well. We got the contract and I ended up being friends with that guy. And we had a very candid taste uh, talk uh, about authority and fear and intimidation. And uh, we discussed that yesterday. We use words like a bad day. Um, I think every day is a good day. Just some days are better than others. So I, I don't have bad days. I just have less good days. And we use words like walls and obstacles and hurdles. Well, I've done a lot in business and I've made mistakes and I've made some poor judgment calls. I've never broken my nose on a wall. There was never, there's never really a wall. The wall is in your mind and the fear is in your mind. The fear of not knowing something goes away immediately once you figure once you do it fail at it and figure out why you failed so that's another word i hate to use is fail because you you just can't fail you can only learn what not to do again unless you give up unless you give up right. i mean and that's not even a failure that's just quitting yeah. you, you didn't fail because you didn't try <laughs> And I love that. I love that you bring that point. And it's a, it's a, 
this is a perfect example of how we do things differently, but it's the same kind of concept. You know, I teach and help unbiasedly advise individuals that, you know, words are spells, you know, like in some of the uh, Harry Potter and the wizard movies, you know, you have a spell and what do they put with that spell? They have words, right? So um, I, I think one of those spells, I haven't watched Harry Potter in years, but um, Expelli Expelliarmus, right? Or however you pronounce it, they're putting a spell behind this thing, right? And when we say words like, man, I just hit this wall at work and I can't get past this wall, that spell, I have this wall and I cannot get past this wall, right? And then you're now, you're, you're like you're saying, in the, in the state of presence of your mind, you think that there's this wall and that it's a lot harder to overcome now because you said you are not able to get through it, right? And that's a spell you've casted onto yourself and you'll believe it, right? And you'll believe that as much as someone like um, a professional athlete or um, an actress you know, has delusion in their youth that they're going to be this, you know, this actor or whatever it may be, right? Because they've casted a spell that said, I will be an actor one day. And they, they live with that. And also the, I cannot stand my life, right? Those two spells are very powerful things. And when we can be very aware of our thoughts and how our thoughts are being created and then how our words are being created, those spells can help mold your life in the way that you really want it to be. And that comes from a space when I, I, I was in the corporate world, I did all that. I was not happy with my life. I made it very known vocally that I was not happy with my life. And there was a consequence to that spell. And from that consequence, I learned, I'm quite grateful for it, but it was still a consequence. And I've evolved from that. So one thing that I would really encourage the listeners to hear is that be very mindful and aware of the words you're casting out into the world and the words you're casting in your head. And that's what we do. And you said earlier, uh, not to pass judgment, you know, and that's what we do when we're uh, interviewing our potential clients. We're not passing judgment on them. We're just kind of gathering information, finding out where their belief systems are and their way of thinking is. And then before we do anything at all, we have to try to change any negative habits, words, because those words, I hit a wall, just uh, there's an old saying, if you can see it, you can achieve it. Well, if you saw that wall, you achieved the wall and <laughs> <laughs> an obstacle. But if you can, but if you can visualize, I people sometimes ask me, what are the biggest problems you've had in business? And I've never had a problem. I've always had an unresolved solution. So, you know, don't, don't tell me there's a problem. Just tell me you don't have an answer to what you're trying to figure out. And let's you're figure seeking out an answer. what you're seeking an answer. Yeah. Not solving a problem. You're seeking an answer to something that uh, you haven't figured out yet. And you can't fail. You can only learn. So if you try something five times, 
Well, first off, don't do the same thing five times or you're going to get the same results. But if you try five different ways, you should have learned five lessons. And the sixth time might be the charm. You know, so just don't keep doing what you're doing. It doesn't work. Just accept it. Try to figure it out and try a different way. And then at some point, you may have to realize that um, this isn't your passion. This isn't your forte. You know, I mean, it. too many people make decisions based on money. Why are you getting into this business? Well, I heard that money is good. But are you? is that money going to buy you happiness? Is that going to buy you, uh, you know, if you don't have the passion, you're, you're not going to find the money. And if you're constantly, if your whole goal in life is to make money, you're probably going to end up chasing it the rest of your life because you're not focusing on what makes you money. Money should be a result of doing something that you're passionate about, that you're knowledgeable about, that you enjoy helping others learn from. And my father was a little rougher than I am. He used to say, don't concentrate on the money. Every minute you're concentrating on the money, you're depriving your clients of the most excellent service you can give them. And if you give them the utmost excellent service, money will chase you like a junkyard dog. So true. So we all need money. We have to pay our bills. We have to pay for our doctors and our and our vacations. I mean, you didn't get to the beach for free unless you lived on it or could hitchhike. And you can't hitchhike these days. In the late 70s, I hitchhiked cross country for two and a half years. I wish truck, I could. Truck drivers <laughs> yeah. picked me up. I we were in a restaurant. The guy needed a cook. I stayed for a month and a half and cooked. And then I got on another truck and I went to the next state, the next city, oh. and uh, stayed a week, stayed three days, stayed a month, um, two and a half years. I hitchhiked cross country and I made more money being homeless, hitchhiking, than I ever made, I think, in a job because I got free rides, free meals, free showers, free room and board. And every time I earned money, I sent it home to my father to put into a bank account. And, you know, I always kept 25 or $30 on me because what would I need other than a cup of coffee and a shower and maybe a, a new shirt? And back then you could do that with twenty five dollars. Yeah, yeah. I I remember when uh, you could buy a gumball for a penny. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's, uh, you know you bring up a uh, a beautiful beautiful point that I really really want to emphasize and put some energy on is um, the energy of money, right? So you bring up some very beautiful and valid points that if you spend your life chasing money you're not going to feel that fulfillment, right? Some people that fulfillment is happiness. Some people that fulfillment is purpose. That fulfillment is joy, a family, right? So that purpose is dependent on the individual. Money is definitely necessary, 
but the more you resist, the more you persist. The more you persist, the more you resist. And when you put the, I like to put it in the, the metaphor and the analogy this way, because it's very simple and everyone can understand. If money was your boyfriend or girlfriend and you spoke to it, would it come back? <laughs> right? And some people say it's the root of all evil. Well, if I called, if I tell my girlfriend she was the root of all evil, she ain't coming back. That's right. <laughs> and I'll tell you right now, any anyone who has a boyfriend, tell him he's the root of all evil. Not going to come back. Right. And seeing that money is this form of energy that it really does come to you when it is a result and a byproduct of the thing you do. You put focus and energy on the result and doing this thing. And as a result of your action, you will get compensated. And one of my biggest mantras is I, I get compensated generously for the work that I do. Because right? I'm putting out there, I get compensated generously for the work that I do. I'm not putting a number on it. I'm not saying I get a lot of money for the work I do. I'm not saying I get a little bit. I get compensated rightfully for the work that I do. And it changes the way you see the energy form of money. It's a tool. Right? You can use a knife to cut an apple or a neck. You choose what it is. And when you give that tool more power than yourself, it's going to control your life. That's right. And it did for me. So if you well, give passion yeah. and uh, uh, joy the control, that will control your life. And by having that passion and sharing it with others it'll come well what goes around comes around so if you're if you're sharing only greed for yourself and selfishness that's what's going to come back to you mm -hmm. but if you're sharing your passion to help others and to help others achieve that's going to come back to you now i don't example is this yeah right if i was greedy or anything like that or vice versa we wouldn't have resonated with one another and that beautiful ability to see it as a tool has presented us together and and been able to attract like minds to be able to collaborate and I'm very grateful for it. Oh, I am I am too because mm -hmm. I well, I answered um I believe a message from messenger mm -hmm. and I get hundreds of messages but yours resonated with resonated with me because of the wording. I I knew immediately you weren't a greedy, selfish person that was only interested in me for what profit you could make. You know, my, my father used to have, back in our day, we had salesmen. They sold vacuum cleaners. They sold dictionaries. They sold uh, all kinds of things. And my father had a lot of things. And, and whenever a salesman came to the front door, he would call me and he would tell them why he wasn't going to buy their product. And sometimes he would buy products that he already had and he didn't need. And I remember Kirby vacuum cleaner had like a $1,500 vacuum. You could put a steam cleaner on it. You could paint your car with it. If this thing was like uh, the all end, all end. And he had one of those. And the salesman came to the door and he bought another one. And I was like, that's a lot of money for something you already have. And he said, 
I didn't want the vacuum. He said, what I wanted is I wanted that young man to have a commission because he told me 15 times why I shouldn't buy this, why it may be too expensive, may and why it may not be for me. He wasn't interested in his commission as much as he was interested in knowing that I was buying the vacuum that was right for me, not necessarily the most expensive one. And besides, I know a guy that has no money who would love this thing because he paints cars and steam cleans houses. <laughs> and and that was the lesson he taught me. He said, if you get the sense that they're only interested in getting the commission and not what you really want, even if you want it, don't buy it from them. Buy it from the next guy who cares. That's an amazing lesson. And yeah. if you don't need it and the guy's really good and you want to see him get ahead, buy it. And then, uh, you know, give it to somebody who really needs it, knowing that he's going to go home and feed his family for what a great job he did. Yeah. And that his passion was not selling the product. It was satisfying the customer. And, and as a result of that, he will get compensated generously for the work that he does. That's right. Because I think he had the guy steam clean something for him after he gave him the vacuum. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's free in this world. Nope. I'm going to give you this, but you're going to use it on me. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I think that's it in a nutshell is you and I are a great example of people in the same industry offering similar, similar services in a, in the same categories, but from our own perspectives. And the only reason we're talking together is because neither one of us are greedy, selfish people who are just trying to get over any other one. There really is a value in complimenting somebody else for what they do and the way they do it in sharing your wealth, my wealth of knowledge, and being able to share you when I know that I can't satisfy a person and that you might be able to satisfy them. Because believe me, they're going to tell 20 people, you better call Mike Bonaventure. He's more your type and he won't sell you something that he doesn't think you need. He'll refer you to the right person who knows more about what you need and can satisfy you. Exactly. And that trust and that honesty is something that I see now and I'm very grateful for it is starting to become normalized in the sales industry, in the uh, closing industry, in the appointment setting industry, acquisition, you know, everything that's starting to come to business, people are learning that nobody likes to be sold, right? It's, it's changing philosophies that the used car salesman isn't a used car salesman anymore. You have to ship and shape and adapt and move with times you know there's a there's a beautiful a beautiful beautiful metaphor and um everyone's heard of this if you've had any sales training of any kinds uh famously known in in um wall street sell me this pen right and you sell me this pen and everyone well, okay well it's got this beauty it has this this green logo it clicks right? Trying to tell you everything that's great about this pen. And I say that the modern time, it's changing and it's different. Now it's sell me this pen. And that 
do you need a pen? And if you say no, I cannot convince you to buy this pen. And then you keep asking to figure out who needs a pen, who actually can utilize this, who does not have it. And then you offer it to them. Mine goes down there, so I found another one. <laughs> but you, you, you offer it if they need it, and you share the value that, that can actually be presented by the product or the service versus trying to jam this down your throat. And then in two weeks, you want a refund and you're giving me the pen back. So there's a, there's a, there's a difference between persistence and pestering. <laughs> so when the person says, I don't need the pen, you say, okay, great. Uh, just in case you need me in the future, why don't you write this down and you hand them a piece of paper? And then you say, oh, so you do need a pen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but they yep. quit. Don't go yep. three, four, five, no, six. No. <laughs> Humorous, right? Humorous. You, make it, you make it, you make it, right, exactly. You make yeah. it a joke, you make it friendly, personable. And the, the amount of things that can happen from when you stay personable, honest, truthful, in a sales predicament, the the amount of opportunities that can present themselves are are unfathomable. People don't people don't always decide based on facts or based on uh, evidence, you know, or or, or even uh, price. Yep. People gravitate to what they enjoy and what they like, and you see that in everyday advertising. If you're not likable, people aren't going to buy anything from you, even if they need it and even if it's cheap. Because if they don't like you, they're not interested in anything you have at any price. So, you know, the first thing is, uh, and, and my wife is going into 38 years in her business, and I've been in business 40 years, and we have never had an advertising budget. We just... Um, we don't sell. We introduce ourselves and we present ourselves and what we have to offer. And then we let you ask us, how do I get your services? I think I could use that and I like you. So tell me more. So and some people call that reverse psychology. I just call it being me. I don't want to waste time. And we had that conversation the other day about uh, all the no's and sales. And I think that's positive because I was always taught for every yes, there'll be 99 no's <laughs> before the next yes. So as soon as I get a yes, my goal is to go find 99 people to say no to me real quick so I can get out of my next yes. So don't, don't get discouraged by the no's. Invite them. Get them out of the way. <laughs> because behind 99 uh, rejections, there's going to be another success. So seek out those rejections. <laughs> exactly. And um, oh, first of all, I would like to say everything that you just, everything you, the value that you just added to the world, um, man, that is, I, I know people that are charging 10 grand to present that idea out there. So that, um, I, I really want to reinforce how powerful that is to our listeners about what you just said, that being yourself and doing it for the reasons that are morally acceptable for you is what will help your business grow. 
right? And it's not reverse psychology to you because your intention isn't to psychologically reverse them to get them to buy your stuff. Right. You're doing it with the intention that you actually care. Right. Like, and that's very, very powerful, powerful stuff. Like I said, I, I know people who've charged ridiculous amounts of money and people have gotten their ROI from that, the return of investment, because they've learned that if I just be myself and provide a service, people will come to me, right? Instead of trying to manipulate. Now you, you also have the hazard of people not coming to you because you don't charge enough, so you're not valuable. Yep. So we used to have a new business training that we charged a ridiculous amount of money for. But we gave them a ridiculous amount of services so that we could say to them, yeah, you know, we're more expensive than everybody else. But when you buy this for 2000 and you buy this for 3000 and you buy this for 4000 guess what? You're spending way more for less value. You know? I owned a couple of restaurants and on Thanksgiving, Christmas, when everybody was closed, I opened from six to 10 in the morning and I never charged a penny. I made more money on those days from appreciative people who, and at that time was a long time ago, breakfast was $5. People would throw me a 20 and say, here, uh, for your food cost and the people who can't afford it. And at the end of the day, I'd say, man, if I charge my menu prices, I wouldn't have made any money today. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and we do that a lot. We're not giving you anything. We're, we're sharing value. You know, when I was in the uh, drug testing business, people would say, oh, my kid is on drugs, but I don't have a lot of money. Was I going to say, oh, you don't have $5? Let your child die? No, I gave them, I shared advice. Advice didn't cost me anything after the lesson. So I would share with them how to save their child's life. And every once in a while, a wealthy person would say, what do I owe you? And I'd say, nothing, that's my contribution to society. And I would get $500 checks and $1,000 checks in appreciation for saving their child's life, helping them save their child's life when they could have afforded any price. So in the end, the people who didn't contribute, who couldn't contribute, it all leveled out with the appreciation and the courtesy and gratitude checks that I got from people who could afford it, who I didn't charge. So you get what you get. And not always in the same clump, not always in the same basket. But in the end, at the end, and my grandfather was famous, my father's father was famous for saying, when you die, the only thing you take with you is your name and your legacy. So nothing else. You're not taking your cars, your houses, your boats and your planes, and you're not taking all your uh, memories of all the good times. You're taking the legacy that you left behind. And people will be talking about you one way or the other, long after you're gone, but how? He was a great giving guy who really cared about others more than himself, and he lived a good life. Or he was just a greedy, selfish, bup, 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 bup. And, you know, it's a good thing he's gone. Uh, the world is better off. 
<laughs> exactly. And that's why I always, always reinforce how powerful it is to live with purpose, whatever that purpose means to the individual. Right. Right. What's the purpose of life? The individual gives it the purpose. Well, Dharma, listen, we have a bad habit of being able to talk for six, seven, <laughs> eight hours on end and not knowing when to shut up. So let's put an end to today's uh, session so we don't put our listeners to sleep. Yes. And we'll do more sessions and eventually we're going to get into the live sessions. Uh, so what? in saying goodbye, tell us again. How to get a hold of you, website, Facebook, uh, however you want to promote yourself. If it is meant to be, we will find one another. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, um, yeah, no, no. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right to, to drop my, my information, all that stuff. If we're meant to find one another, then we will find one another and, and it will happen. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, just to show you how different we are, um, when I put this up on YouTube and on the podcast, I am going to have some contact information for those of you who feel like you might want to uh, be meant to get to be together. And uh, Dharma, thank you so much for sharing your philosophies. And I look forward to doing business with you and referring back and forth and helping others. Uh, while we help ourselves as an end result. Exactly. And uh, as well. thank you, thank you. And unlike you, I'm going to say thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for uh, tuning in to Lady Law Publishing, Mike and Joe Consulting. And uh, if you aren't looking for us, we'll guide you towards Dharma or anybody else that we think is going to be a great fit for you. All right. You have a great day. Thanks again, Dharma. And God bless all.